Welcome back to the Everything Emaw Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tillery. I gotta be honest with you guys, I'm feeling pretty disappointed after last night's loss. K-State goes on the road to Ames and loses 80-76 to against Iowa State, giving up a combined 40 points to two players. 40 points, two players. We have now seen K-State's major issue. Everybody in the nation has seen it. I've seen it, you've seen it for the past three weeks. K-State continually struggles to defend talented players on the low block. We've seen it with TCU and Eddie Lampkin. We've seen it from K.J. Adams from Kansas, and now we've seen it again against Iowa State. Teams understand what K-State's doing defensively, and they scheme out the bigs. Ish Masood isn't really a five player. He's really not supposed to be guarding guys that are seven foot tall. I mean, Masood's what, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and he's in there in the post against guys that are 30, 40 pounds heavier than him and four or five inches taller than him. Then you bring in Tomlin. Tomlin's a super tall guy, but he is skinny. He is thin. We've got people that take advantage of him in the low block. And then Bebe. We've seen him come in and contribute, but I'm still unconvinced defensively that he's that great of a player. And I don't mean to take shots at anybody. I just have questions about this low block. It should also be noted David Gasson has missed another week. After a few key minutes against Texas Tech, David Gasson stayed on the sideline this game. It's going to be kind of a, a, a stop and start process with Gasson, I believe. But we really could have used him in this game. We need a talented defender on the low block. And without Gasson, we are hurting. All right, so one interesting stat line here. K-State gave up 68 points to Iowa State starters alone. They only allowed 12 off the bench. But the issue is, K-State couldn't get their starting five off the court. The starting five put up 68 of the 80 points. That's a ton. That means there's no defensive production whatsoever. The starting five guys got whatever they wanted on the court. That's crazy. K-State is not typically that team. Usually teams will substitute as much as possible at K-State to bring in this energy because of how we play. Our defensive strategy is usually, hey, high energy, high energy, a lot of guys moving. So a lot of times coaches want to bring in as many subs as possible off the bench, guys that can contribute. Iowa State didn't have to do that at all. Nobody came in and produced off the bench. And it wasn't because K-State was doing a better job on the bench players. It was simply because the Iowa State starters could continue to make baskets every single time down the court. And K-State was giving it up. K-State had nothing to do with it. And the lack of defensive focus on the starters for Iowa State blows my mind. How poor K-State played. How poor K-State defended. Which were typically a pretty good defensive team. Like Bruce Weber's entire identity was on defense. And it's not to say the drum tanks isn't. Because this is a hard-working, hard-hitting team where there's defensive guys all around the court. But K-State was giving up easy buckets on the inside. And I want to say... I know that certain players can go off. I know that guys can just have their day. You know, Jalen Wilson put up 38 and K-State still won. Guys can have their day, but K-State will never win a game if they can't stop the guy on the low block. If there's a free lob three feet from the basket to a guy who's 6'10", 6'11", 240, it's a turnaround and lay every time. They're outsizing us. They're bigger, stronger, and more physical than we are. K-State can't afford to give that up. We have to start with doubles. And I, I know later in the game there... And I know down the stretch we did a little bit of a better job. We obviously started with Naquan Tomlin guarding Lipsy, who we knew wasn't going to shoot, even though he's kind of the facilitator for this team. Tomlin could then switch and jump back onto their center. But it still was not enough. K-State was giving up shots late in the shot clock, two or three feet from the basket, which I'm not going to say that they're going to make every shot, but it's such a higher percentage look from inside the paint versus from a three ball. You know, jacking up a three versus having a two-foot turn and lay or a little hook shot right in the lane. I mean, K-State could not stop that all day, start to finish. There was never a point where I'm like, hey, we're doing a great job defending down there. 
Never. It never changed for K-State. So you might ask yourself, what does K-State need to do next? What do we need to do to get things right? We have to get healthy. We have got to get healthy. David Gasson is a key player for K-State. Because in this game, not only were we defending poorly on the low block, we also got into immense foul troubles amongst all three of our post players. Masood fouls out with five. Bebe has four. Naquan Tomlin finishes with four. Each of our big players, between three of our big players, we had 13 fouls between three players. And all three of them were needed. We needed to defend on the low block. It just goes to show that sloppy defense turns into fouls, hacks, and bad things happening on the court for K-State. It's a bad situation to get into. And I'm not going to sit here and say Big 12 officiating is horrible. It really was inconsistent. But I think everyone should know, and especially if you're a K-State fan, you know, even this season, the refs can't be the excuse. The refs cannot be the reason you lose. And I don't think anyone can sit here and say it was 100% the refs that lost us this game because there was bad calls on both ends of the court. I do want to talk about that a little bit with Keontae Johnson in a bit. But for now, you need to find a way to win. You need to find a way to win games. K-State missed eight free throws in this game. We were statistically the best free throw shooting team in the Big 12. We had an off day. Lose by four points. If you hit half as many of your missed free throws, you're tied up. K-State has to capitalize on the line. And that includes Marquise Noel, who's a season 90% shooter. Keontae Johnson missed three straight. I mean, guys were missing from the free throw line. They are free throws. They are free points. This is the most uncontested look K-State will get the entire game. Unless it's Marquise Noel pulling up for 40 feet. I just don't get what we're doing. I need K-State to kind of ride the middle here. I need to know if we're going to be the best team in the Big 12. I need to know if we're going to beat Kansas and Texas and we're going to beat the Iowa States of the world. I don't need to see us lose. If we're going to be the best, we can't lose. And I know that's a rash thing. I know it's a rash thing as a fan. I want to see this team be great because they can be. Everybody knows. Marquise Noah is an all-world player. He's one of the top offensive players in the entire conference. Same thing for Keontae Johnson. This team can go right now. But we can't afford to lose games like this because of free throw shooting, rebounding, and defense. We can't give up all three of those statistical categories. If we lose the rebound battle, if we lose the defensive battle, if we foul uncontrollably, we will not win games. It's obvious. Everyone knows that. K-State played sloppy, and the effort wasn't there. There's a lot of reasons that you can point and say, hey, this is why we lost. This is why we lost. How about a big one being Desi Sills? He's not the reason we lost. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's Desi's fault. Desi was just non-existent in this game. After 24 against Kansas, in a game where he needed it, where we all needed Desi Sills, Desi Sills puts up a goose egg in this game, misses both free throws, 0 for 2. That was his only chance. He didn't shoot the ball hardly in this game, and he's a guy off the bench that provides energy for K-State. He's never been the most efficient scorer, but he's always been an energy guy, and K-State got no energy from him. There was nothing happening from Desi Sills. Really, the only reason we stayed in this game was Marquise Noel, Ish Masood, and pieces of Keontae Johnson's game. Ladies and gentlemen, did I just find something interesting? This is a game changer for K-State. Do you want to hear the worst stat, maybe of all time, of any basketball game we've ever played? I was scrolling through Twitter here and found a tweet about this. This is massive. K-State, all three of K-State's low players, Ish Masood, Bebe, and Naquan Tomlin. Let's take a guess at the rebound total between those three players. Zero. Zero rebounds amongst three post players. Zero rebounds. Guys who are six foot eight on average, if you average out the trio of them. Zero rebounds. None. Are you kidding me? And I know that you can say that Keontae Johnson is a is a rebounder. He's the guy that gets this rebounds for K-State, but zero from the post players. That's horrible. K-State is a team. Desi Sills out rebounded him. Marquise Noel grabbed two boards. Our post players had zero. 
Naquan Tomlin, zero rebounds. Bebe, zero. Ish, zero. Marquise Noel, who's five foot eight, is out rebounding these guys. Keontae Johnson snagged 10 boards. It's an effort thing. It's not just that. There's no boxing out on the low block. There's no accountability in terms of getting up and getting the basketball off the rebound. That is a horrible stat. That has to change. David Gasson has to be a priority for this team. We cannot afford to have zero rebounds amongst our three post players. Unbelievable. That's a horrible stat. I don't know if any team's ever had that recorded. And I know it's one thing for me to sit up here and say, okay, well, we got to rebound better. We got to get these guys rebound. We got to. I'm not on the court. I understand that. But we've got to do a better job. We cannot have scholarship collegiate athletes not snagging rebounds. Do you know how many second chance points Iowa State had off of snagging an offensive rebound? It can't happen. This is not a recipe to win basketball games in the Big 12. This is not a recipe to win basketball games in high school, in middle school, in elementary school basketball. If guys don't rebound, the team doesn't go. K-State proved that. They proved it once and for all, that we can't rebound, and we looked horrible because of it. We still managed to score 76 points with zero rebounds between three of our biggest guys. How? How do we do this? Do you know how many points we're giving up? That is a terrible stat. K-State cannot afford to have that happen ever again. Never again. And apparently, Coach Seng has talked about David Gasson. He said, hey, he is healthy. We're just working him back in slowly. This guy's got to have at least 15 minutes a night. He had zero minutes in this one. So working him back in slowly doesn't make sense when he's coming off of 10 minutes last game, zero in this one. We've got to get him back on the court producing. Let me say it's also a different thing. You know, Ish Masood, 6'9", Naquan Tomlin, 6'10", Bebe, 6'10". It's not about height. It's about effort. It's not about height. David Gasson is the biggest hustler among the low post guys. And if we can get him back, K-State will be such a better team. And in the nick of time, we've got Florida coming to town here soon on Saturday. We've got a couple of good teams on the schedule. We've got Texas coming up and Kansas coming up and TCU again. K-State's in a tough stretch here. We cannot afford to not be rebounding. That is step one. Rebound the basketball. Get it up to Marquise Noel. Rebound the basketball. Secure the board. We've got to do a better job. Okay, so I think that's going to do it for all my negativity. I'm going to start to move on here and focus on the positives. K-State contested this entire game. There was no giving up of this K-State squad, which there was against TCU. I mean, there really was. And even with Butler to some degree, there was a time where the team just kind of stopped producing and quit. There was no drive and continued to want to score. Down the stretch, K-State in the past has just kind of given up and fizzled out. Drum Tank squad shows some fight. I mean, you saw big shots from Ish Masood to get the game close to one possession. Marquise Noel as well hitting back-to-back big shots from deep, deep threes. It seems like the Cats are still a team that's going to contest for the entire duration of the game. That being said, I didn't really love Marquise Noel's decision to go for two on that last possession instead of three. Obviously, Iowa State was leading the game by three at that point. And Noel, it's not to say that he wouldn't have a good look for three. I think it's going to be a contested shot regardless. But I think I'd rather have the opportunity to tie than go in and score, even if that bucket drops. You know, it'd be three seconds, you have to force a foul, and then immediately go to the free throw line. If they hit both, you're in the same spot where you have to hit a three to tie. Analytical basketball at some point sets in. And if they're going to be watching the three, it makes sense to go take the two. But I don't know. I just feel like Marquise Noel kind of passed that shot up early without entertaining the opportunity. And another thing was almost the lack of production on that play. It kind of was immediately Marquise Noel dribbled out, saw what the defense gave him, and then decided to attack, which... I'm not going to dunk on him for trying to attack there, but I think that the play itself, obviously Tank had no timeouts to use, so he couldn't draw anything up, but I figured there'd be some other movement without the basketball by the other players, like when Tomlin's kind of flashing across the screen, whether they plan to or not, the defense follows him. And I think Marquise Noah would have a much better look had any of the other guys on the court made a move prior to his shot. Ultimately, Marquise Noel did miss the layup. Um, if he hits that, it's still a one-point game where Iowa State's leading. 
with about three seconds left and someone goes to the free throw line. I don't know. I, I didn't really like the decision too much, but that's kind of just an in-game thing. I'm not going to criticize Noel too much about that. But I think the biggest thing to note for this K-State squad is they're competitors. Like, they're real, genuine competitors. It's not just the the Cinderella story team that found a way to get to the top of the Big 12 and won a couple of close games. These dudes are legit contenders. Like, this is a really good and talented team. Naquan Tomlin is an NBA player. Like, you see the, the potential he has. He's got to get more than six points, obviously, but you see the potential is the biggest thing. Keontae Johnson really struggled in this game. And I think the biggest thing he's starting to see is that this is going to sound like a wild comparison, but he's going to get he's starting to get that LeBron treatment a little bit, where he's too big, too strong, relative to the rest of the competition. Naturally, less referees blow the whistle because of how physically dominant he is. It's kind of like that Charles Barkley thing where you're kind of the bowling ball-esque basketball player, not to compare him in that sense, but Keontae Johnson is one of the strongest players in the country. And I think that he's starting to get to that point where he'll, he'll drive and get hacked multiple times, and it'll just look like the ball got stripped. I mean, you've seen three or four of those turnovers where... Johnson will take the lane, and then he'll lose the ball randomly, get stripped, and it'll be a fast-break point for the other team. And then you watch the replay, and you're seeing guys just smack the absolute crap out of Keontae's forearms and upper body, and it's just that's what's jolting the ball loose. I think each Big 12 crew needs to take a closer look at what's happening when players drive the lane. And it's stupid to say that we can't review certain things. I mean, you think about it. You know how many times we review .3 seconds of the clock, and you saw it in this game, we went from 10.9 to 11.2, and it took us five minutes of game regulation to figure that out. So we waited for five minutes, went to a commercial break, came back, immediate timeout, came back, and then we had the clock running. We can't take half a second to look if somebody slapped the absolute crap out of Keontae Johnson or not. Or even that flop, that offensive foul where there was supposed to be an increase on, hey, we're going to be watching if players flop. And Marquise Noel was even warned, was even given a warning about flopping rather than slowing it down, watching the kid jump into Keontae and then just flail and roll to the right. It had nothing to do with Keontae Johnson except for the fact that he was standing there. And the Big 12 officiating crews are not noticing that. This whole increased on flops thing is not a thing. It is strictly only when shooters throw their legs, I think, at this point. It has nothing to do with anything without the ball. So that's a really big inconsistency that I've seen multiple times this season, and I don't want to keep seeing it. I don't want to keep seeing it. Keontae did kind of get things back in order. You know, obviously had a couple of buckets. But the biggest thing for him is just staying with it. Like, he is so good when he's aggressive and he's attacking. But the issue is, is he gets those early two foul calls on offensive plays where it's just putting your head down and barreling into the basket. A lot of times guys are shuffling their feet when they're actually getting hit. Not much you can say about that. Not much you can do about that. But I think Johnson needs to be more aware of that. And you've seen that every single game so far. Keontae Johnson's got called for an offensive foul in just about every game through the year. And you saw Cam Carter. This is another one. Cam Carter got called for one of the worst offensive fouls I've ever seen. And it wasn't to say that it was a bad call, because it was a perfect call. Like, the guy had been planted, but the guy was planted from the time Cam Carter passed half court, and Cam Carter still willingly ran into the guy and had a charge, like, drew a charge. Like, what, what is the point there? Try to sidestep him, try to do something. And he did have a good game. Credit to Cam Carter, who came out hot. You know, 13 points in the first half is nothing to snub your nose at, but then when you come back with two points in the second half, it's a really, really drastic switch up for the offense. And I know that Desi Sills had a game off the bench against Kansas that was massive, but the production was there for the full volume of the game. And I'm sure that's credit to Iowa State's side, who kind of eliminated Carter from the game. But he really didn't touch the basketball much after that point. Granted, he had two quick back-to-back fouls, and both of them were pretty bad. But it just gets to a point where guys need to be consistently attacking. K-State is a smart enough team to attack. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say Marquise Noel shouldn't be because he's a shorter guy, because he is electric off the dribble. But guys like Keontae Johnson, guys like Naquan Tomlin need to be taking people off the dribble and attacking. That's really where K-State gets their points. 
we have a lot of guys who can go and get their own bucket, but there's not many people moving up, moving without the basketball unless Marquise is holding it. That's what's really hurting Keontes. Every time Keontae Johnson's been getting the basketball, it's been in the ISO situation where another guy will slide over, draw a double, and either poke it out, hack Keontae, foul him, or Keontae will get an offensive charge. There is no movement without the basketball with anyone else unless Marquise Noel is holding the basketball, and that's something the that K-State needs to improve on. Looking ahead, K-State takes on Florida at home on Saturday. Keontae Johnson's former team in what should be a massive homecoming for Keontae. And the tough streak of opponents continues as we take on number 9, Kansas, at home. That's going to be at Allen Fieldhouse on Tuesday, the 31st of January. Right before taking on Texas at home, that is the 10th-ranked Texas Longhorns. And following it up with the 11th-ranked TCU Horned Frogs, who beat the absolute heck out of us early in the season, K-State has a rough, rough February schedule. There's going to be some good teams, and I think K-State will be tested. But what I'd really like to see is that K-State was able to battle with Iowa State. It wasn't just a give up, quit, see what happens thing. It actually gives me a lot of faith going forward for the Big 12. And I think to this point, I've been a believer of K-State, but I've also kind of been a little bit in that gimmicky idea where I'm like, you know what, K-State could win the Big 12 if, you know, XYZ things happen. And then, you know, you see underdogs win and guys lose, and it really does add to that. But I think K-State almost solidified the fact that they can be a contender with this lost Iowa State. Obviously, a win would have done better, but this kind of trained the guys. So right now, you see the Big 12 standings. We've got K-State and Texas tied at 17-3. K-State owns the tiebreaker over Texas. That'll be a big game here in about two weeks. Then you have the 15-4 Iowa State Cyclones, followed by 16-4 TCU, who owns the tiebreaker over Kansas. Kansas, who is also 16-4, followed by Baylor at 15-5, who just beat Kansas as well. So if they ever get to that tie spot, Baylor owns the tiebreaker there. Then you got Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Texas Tech all in the bottom four. And everybody else in the Big 12 is in a spot where they can really, really compete. So K-State obviously has a really tough schedule. We're sitting currently at 20 games in. There is, I think, 36 in the Big 12. So we've got another 16 games or so to go. K-State is going to definitely be tested along that way. But I think that we're going to see the right things go. I think if we can beat Florida, it's going to be massive for Keontae Johnson's confidence. I'm sure that he's going to go off for 88 points in one half. So bookmark that. Check your bingo cards for Keontae Johnson, 100 apiece. Wait on that one. Full prediction. But I think K-State's got a real chance. You know, it's going to take guys like David Gasson getting healthy, and it's going to take guys like Naquan Tomlin taking, you know, his attack mode from nowhere to everywhere. He's going to have to be constantly competing and actually looking to score. So if Tomlin can get more involved in the offense and then Keontae and Marquise can still be the same guys, I think you're going to see this really good K-State team beat a lot more better teams. So if we can only, you know, if the only couple losses we've had at this point, I think looking at the Big 12 at this point, there's a real possibility that six six losses wins the Big 12. K-State's halfway there. All the other teams are already above it. It is going to be tough. It's not going to be an easy thing for K-State to do, but I know that Jerome Tang is the right coach to lead them. And I think this game ought to be a good learning experience for all the guys. Everyone really learned a little bit of what they need to do going forward if they want to win and how competitive the Big 12 is on the road. We can't. We kind of just lucked into a really great start and beat a lot of good teams on the road, especially Texas was a huge one. K-State is an opportunity to be a really special team. The second half is going to have to be bigger than the first half. Even though it was a tremendous first half, K-State's going to have to prove themselves later. They take on Florida at home on Saturday in Bramblage, and the Octagon is going to be rocking. That being said, thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Everything Emaw podcast. I know it's a little bit tough coming to you off a loss, but we're going to get it back, and after a beautiful win against both, bold prediction, against both Florida and Kansas at home, after two back-to-back wins... I'll be right back here to tell you about those Kansas State Wildcats. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Have a wonderful day.